Welcome back to Rad Dads, a podcast where I, Micah Sherman, interview some of the coolest dads I know who have a big heart for their families and an even bigger love for Jesus. Today's episode, I have the privilege of interviewing a new friend of mine who has a unique perspective of being a dad of all boys. Our verse of the episode is from Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Grab your coffee. Let's get started. Welcome back to the third episode of Rad Dads. Uh, excited to interview um, one of my friends, Ben Mayberry, today. So welcome, Ben. Hi, thanks for having me. And uh, Ben is, uh, we're just really becoming friends. You, uh, We go to church together and uh, are starting a home group together. Ben and his wife are uh, hosting their beautiful home. And then my wife and I are kind of facilitating and leading the group. And so it's a privilege to hear a little bit more of your story today. So going to the scouting report, um, scouting report, Ben, is where I get to kind of brag about you. So I've done my research a little bit, and then you can verify if it's actually true or not. That sounds good. Um, so Ben uh, works in asset management at uh, Bacchus Capital Group, LLC. Yeah, Abacus. Abacus, all right. Yeah, no worries. You got to pronounce it right. Uh, you went to USC Marshall School of Business. That's correct. All right. And then uh, one of your favorite people gave me some more info. Uh, she said you are a master chef. Yeah, you love to care for people by cooking exceptional food. We literally just poured marinade in your uh, tri-tip, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that was part of our plan to make it look like I. Right. Yeah, like you knew I'm it was coming. Cook. Exactly. <laughs> uh, he is very creative with construction and design, um, and and then your wife. Um, I asked her what uh, four characteristics if she could describe you were. Um, and she said, caring, smart, funny, and generous. So she's a big fan of you. Well, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, she's a fan. It's a good sign. Um, and what I'm most excited about before we get into the interview is uh, she also mentioned you have a pretty cool parlor trick or party trick um, for someone to give you a year and then you'll tell them who the pre- president um, of that year was. That is correct. President Should we give it a shot? I think so. This is okay. a little, little nervous under pressure. Yeah, well, so, I will okay. totally edit it out um, if, <laughs> if you uh, aren't able to do it, but I think you will. All right. Okay, so here's the year. We'll do two, two of them. Okay. So we got um, 1877. Uh, so the election of 1876 was uh, Tilden Hayes' election, um, and it ended up going to uh, Rutherford B. Hayes. You got it, Rutherford B. Hayes. Well done. Okay, all right, let's do one more. Man, I just want to do all of these. Uh, let's go a little bit different. Okay, here we go. Uh, 1974. 1974 was Nixon still, I believe. He, he was elected in 72 and then might, might be Ford by that point because of Watergate. I think right on, the, right on the board. Oh my gosh, yeah. Nixon, 73. Uh, G- Gerald R. Ford is 74. So how, do you, how did you even acquire that <clears throat> skill? <laughs> so it's funny, you know, in, in, I, I was not a wonderful student in high school, and just strangely the way I remember things is chronological and like on a timeline. Okay. So did history like everyone else, 
Not a lot stuck, but strangely, all the yeah. presidents stuck right by wow. here. So maybe that's impressive. A, a weird idiosyncrasy about the way my brain works. I don't know. Yeah, my studying skills were memorize it all right before, and then do the test, and then it would all leave right after. So <laughs> yeah, that's impressive that it's stuck. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Okay, uh, well, maybe if you can start, Ben, just telling us. Um, a little bit, since I've kind of given you a background to our listeners of who you are, uh, tell us a little about your family um, and maybe even the ages of your kids. Yeah. So, you know, Katie and I have been married since 2010. Um, we have three kids uh, that are ages nine, seven, and the, uh, the youngest just turned five just this last week. So they're all almost exactly two years and two months apart. Not by plan particularly, but just the way it worked out. Um, I guess speaking more big picture about my background, I am also one of three kids. I grew up here in Orange County where we are today. Um, my, my siblings, I have an older sister who's very close to me in age. She's just uh, 16 or so months older than me and a younger brother who's three and a half years younger. So grew up in a family of three and now have three kids. Um, I, I think the way that I grew up with my parents and my siblings has largely informed the way that we try to raise our kids. It's, I think that's always the case, some combination of my kids and um, my experience growing up as well as my wife's experience growing up. Um, we, uh, of course, modified for today's world, which of course offers entire, you know, really different challenges uh, as parents than I think it did growing up in the 1980s and 90s. But that's a little bit of a little bit of background on us. Cool. Yeah. And you have all boys. Yep. All three boys. Exactly. Three boys. Cool. And this, uh, so if, if you've listened to our podcast so far, uh, we had Brett McCracken uh, kind of launch our, our podcast off through the year. And then uh, Andrew Scher spoke about being an expectant dad. So we're kind of taking a pause from the uh, family just kind of ages, um, and, and uh, Ben's going to talk a little bit about being a boy dad um, and what all that entails. Um, did you ever see yourself having three boys, and was that a surprise? Was that something you hoped for? I, you know, we did not, uh, we did not spend a lot of time thinking in advance, I think, of, or maybe my wife did. I certainly did not spend a lot of time thinking in advance about what whether or not it would be boys or girls. Mm -hmm. um, I was, I have always wanted to be a father. Um, I think I really value my relationship with my dad. I think my dad is unquestionably the most, um, had the biggest influence on my life and the life of my brother, I know. Um, so we didn't give it a lot of thought, but um, very, very happy the way it worked out. There's a funny thing that happens, I think, <clears throat> when you have the first boy, whatever you have, boy or girl, you know, you have this really unique experience that transforms your life. And then you find out, you know, your wife's pregnant for number two. There's a small part of you that is kind of wants the same thing again. You know, I think everyone talks yeah. about once you have the boy, you want the girl. For me, I was so, um, I enjoyed so much the process of having my my first son, I thought, oh, I'd be sweet to do it again. Mm -hmm. So, and even with the third one where most people, you know, would say, oh, you're disappointed. You got another boy, mm -hmm. number three, were you hoping for the girl? Right. I'd always say, yeah, you know, there's a part of me that wants that experience, but there's yeah. also just this idea that there's, you know, one more, one more person, a little like the last, mm -hmm. but of course a little different. Yeah. And you said you came from a family of three? Yep. 
Yep. So you have a family or a, a kids of uh, three siblings. Yeah. Um, so that's, I feel like that often happens too, is like you kind of want what your experience was, or maybe it's the complete opposite. You didn't like that, but it sounds like you had a good experience with having two siblings too. It did. It was, I mean, it's incredibly different. I, the difference between having, the difference between girls and boys, and I'm sure we'll get into this, mm-hmm. it's, it's dramatically different. Yeah. <laughs> so it's my family of three boys is, is very, very different than my experience growing up with my sister, who is mm-hmm. very, um, I mean, she's calm even for a girl. And so mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, you know, it, it, it was a different energy level <clears throat> and just a very different social dynamic. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cool. So, so paint us a picture since you just mentioned that, you know, there's definitely a difference between girls and boys. Uh, what does being a boy dad kind of paint the picture for us in the Mayberry home look like? Yeah, I mean, the, the thing that's so funny about it is how different each of them are, but yet the common experiences that they have here in this household create certain overlapping interests and activities. So, you know, my boys, they look shockingly different. I think very few people would peg them for siblings. Sure. You can tell me yeah. if you agree with that. A lot of people I, I agree, like, yeah. Huh, that's funny that those yeah, kids are siblings. Different. Yeah. Uh, they're very different looking and they're incredibly different personalities. Mm-hmm. So the oldest one, Clive, who's named after uh, C.S. Lewis, um, mm-hmm. is, uh, is very much like my wife, I think, in nature. He is... And also falls into certain stereotypes for first firstborn mm. sons or firstborn kids in general. He is generally very well behaved publicly. Mm-hmm. He's um, he's very calm. He's observant. Mm-hmm. Um, my second son Winston, um, <clears throat> who <clears throat> certain people in my family will describe him as being, they'll say he's he's more. He's more Ben than Ben is. <laughs> so oh, he's, so no, there's aspects of him where he's the most like me, both, mm-hmm. both the way he looks um, and sounds and the way his brain works. He's a lot of energy, very little filter on him. Mm-hmm. He's the one that's always delivered the most interesting. Um, he says the funniest things in part because he just says everything he thinks. So I, right. I often think that he, they're all thinking funny things. It just he gives voice to it. Right. Um, and he then said the, most of your stories are from him. Yeah, all the all the funny sayings. Yeah, my family call it, my extent, my larger family calls them Winstonisms. Oh, I love um, it. the <clears throat> things that he says is just just you know it's he takes from what he is experiencing mm-hmm. in school or in church you know and he uh, applies it <clears throat> into his life and the way he does it is just consistently hilarious and yeah. slightly off <laughs> off kilter not mm-hmm. quite what people intended but yeah. manifests itself in a really entertaining way mm-hmm. and then the little guy marty <clears throat> is i guess in some ways he feels like the most the biggest sort of product of the environment because mm-hmm. growing up you know the stage had been set quite a bit the way we uh, spend sure. our time the activities they do the energy you know pre pre-existed before he arrived and so he is, but he is definitely, um, definitely has the energy and will not be overlooked in mm-hmm. anything that happens. So he's a lot of energy. There's uh, a lot of temper there. Um, but he's also, um, he's also very, a very charming kid and, um, mm-hmm. and a very, a very bright kid. So, mm-hmm. um, he's, you know, different than the others and, and at the same time, a product of, of the environment. Yeah. We were, so we just had our home group at your house and Ben was, was out for business, but, uh, my daughter noticed, yeah, Clive, 
It's like, yeah, the other boys are, you know, they got a lot of energy and they're bouncing around. And then Clive is just kind of quiet and reserved and kind of does his own thing. And then you have Winston and Marty that are just bouncing and screaming and just so excited and uh, super expressive. And yeah, um, but it was fun to be with them and kind of see those characteristics come out. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah. Um, how about just like outside of the house with like um, things that <clears throat> things that you guys do together, things that like as um, as your boys are boys that they you guys see yourselves doing a lot. Yeah, I mean, activity wise, the boys do sports. They all um, adore baseball, <clears throat> and it's funny because I have heard that this happens when a father is really into baseball and will get his sons into it. Mm-hmm. And it's something they enjoy together. And I must admit, I I am not a big uh, a big athlete. Uh, I certainly am not a big baseball fan. I I, I enjoy baseball games. I've always liked going. Um, but my boys are. It's it's a weird um, a weird interest in baseball. The kind yeah. of thing where we'll go. I mean, we're talking about you know five you know five seven and nine. These are usually usually that's an age where you have trouble concentrating on anything mm-hmm. for a period of time. We'll go if we go to a baseball game. Kids will post up and not talk for two, three hours straight, just yeah. staring at it. Huh. Occasionally asking me, you know, asking me rules, and I'm mm-hmm. I've got Wikipedia up there, yeah, like yeah. trying to figure, <laughs> trying to answer the questions. Right, but they're, you know, they're um, they're they're just very unusual that way. Um, but uh, they are uh, they're all competitive, mm-hmm. and they love so you know sports are a big thing. The oldest boy does uh, Clive does gymnastics. Uh, and that is, he actually is in a competitive gymnastics league and that's Ooh. also, it's also playing again, a sport I, I had no experience yeah, with, right, right. uh, but he did it when he was little and he was pretty good at it and kept being interested. He has very mm. good power of concentration and is well behaved. And so, and he's like my wife, he is mm. willing and excited to do every activity. Yeah. So, you know, when I think, when I think about it, folks that might be listening to this podcast, maybe people who have boys, but they're young, you know, younger, mm. I think it's important to, you know, realize just how different every kid sure, is. Right. And so you might listen to this and, and say, that's nothing like my, you know, my kid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would tell you probably a little bit more like my second kid. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. the members, they're just different. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Clive, Clive, again, the oldest son, uh, he had, uh, he has a, he's a little bit unusual. He had pretty significant uh, speech delay. He didn't mm-hmm. speak really until he was uh, almost three and a half. Okay. So, you know, with a brother that's two years younger, they kind of began speaking at the same time, mm-hmm. interestingly. Yeah. Uh, although Clive is, is very bright, uh, I, and does really well in school today, you would never really know that he has had a yeah, speech impediment. Yeah. He, I think it's, uh, there's something about that, that period of being slow to speak began this sort of ability to concentrate in sort of long, yeah. long periods of watching and observing. And it just makes him, he's unusual. I think Winston's a much more typical little sure. boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like you guys have kind of like given opportunity for them to try different things, seen what they like, and then like supported them as they continue to be interested or not. We would, kind of, that's, I mean, I think we, we hope that that's what we're doing. I'm yeah. Not, not sure we're always successful. That's what we try to do. Yeah. The, um, the baseball, anyone that is trying to figure out an activity, uh, for their for their boys, I do recommend this. We we have an app that um, kind of will fire over um, when there's fire sale ticket prices like the day before. 
Cool. Uh, so like we'll go, we'll get tickets to, you know, there will be four or five dollars, you know, to, to go to the Angels game. Uh-huh. And it doesn't hurt that the Angels are no good and it doesn't yeah, hurt right, when, yeah. they're playing, <laughs> when they're playing a pretty bad team. I don't know if this will be a, a, a long-term solution for us, but in the meantime, it's amazing. You know, yeah. It's kind of, I mean, you almost can't, you know, you, you almost couldn't go get frozen yogurt for that price. Right, yeah. Uh, although I, I, I kind of blow the whole thing up when I go in there and I'll get, I'll get a $17 beer while I'm sure, watching. Sure. Yeah, it kind of messes up the formula, but, you know, if, yeah. you, play, if you play it right, it can be, it can be amazing. And I, That's cool. I have, <clears throat> I have told my kids that, um, that, you know, I say, you know, daddy pays for the most expensive seat so we can sit higher than everyone else. That's right. Yeah. And, and so there will be, I think there will be a reckoning at some point when they realize, right. you know, what's, the what's nosebleeds really going aren't on. the best seats. Exactly. <laughs> right now they'll be, you know, looking up, up there, looking down, feeling good. Right. You know, for, you know feeling sorry for all the people down yeah, in the front yeah, row. Yeah. But what an, but it's still a, what an experience. Like, you can see everything. So it's really your perspective that you're giving them. And like when, you know, they don't get to do this every day. So yeah. it's still an awesome experience. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. And I have to say, Ben, like, so I serve in our children's ministry at church and um, I, I enjoy like having your kids. They're well behaved. They, they've got lots of energy, but like I can tell like you guys have put a lot of work into like, they know when it's time to, you know, pivot and like, okay, now it's story time. They're ready. And, and so I just want to say, you guys are doing great because I, I enjoy teaching your kids. And it's not always the case. I'm a teacher. So, you know, you get, there's students that are a little, uh, little more difficult um, to teach and other ones that are, like, just easier and they're ready to learn. That's sweet so, of you to say. Yeah. I, I'm sure there's, there's ups and downs on that. <laughs> but, sure. But, no, they're, they're great kids. So, um, cool. Um, so, moving on, uh, what would you say are some traditions uh, rhythms or experiences, um, you said you had a you know, good relationship with your dad that um, he maybe did with you guys that uh, you have wanted to or are continuing with your kids. Um, and then maybe are there other things you're like, I want, to, I want to try this a little bit differently that you've done with your kids. Yeah, so my dad, like I mentioned, was you know, by some margin the most influential person in my life. And I it's funny these days I will laugh. I hear myself, I hear, th- you know, I almost hear thoughts in my head that sound like something my dad would say all the time. And I'll joke with my wife, you know, I said, I'll say sometimes, you know, I think I'm, I think I'm just turning into my dad or maybe I'm t- my brain is turning into my dad's or something like that. And she doesn't disagree. <laughs> she laughs, but she, she likes my dad a lot. So it's, that's a good thing. My dad was, um, more old fashioned in the sense that he played less of a role in mm-hmm. in my life when I was really little. Sure. And a big piece of that is his workload. He was a um worked in accounting, worked very, very long hours. And mm-hmm. so um he was pr- much less influential, I think, when I was a little kid. Okay. Plus my mom was a uh kindergarten teacher and so she was just in her element with yeah, kids right. at age kind of two through five. So what I have done so far in the way that I'm involved with my kid's life is largely a response more to my wife, who is not as much like my mom. Neither one of us were ch- okay. um, children-oriented at all. In fact, interesting fact, I was telling, I was thinking about this recently, neither my wife nor I had, either one of us had ever even babysat wow. at the point at which okay. we had kids. So we, <clears throat> um, 
it was very, it was like a lot of like being around children was entirely new. Yeah, right. And for anyone that's listening and is either, you know, they have a kid on the way mm-hmm. or a young kid or they're considering kids, just know that, you know, you don't need to have that experience. That's There's, good to know. One of the yeah. w- wonderful things about kids is when they come out, you know, you're not... You're not babysitting a five-year-old on day one, right? They come right. out and there's a way in which, you know, you can attest to this. Yeah. There's a, right when they arrive, like it's, yeah, it's disruptive to your sleep, but it's not actually disruptive to what you do day to day. So if you're, sure. you're getting together with your friends, you know, on a weekend, you just bring that baby That's along. Right. And, and the transition from where their world dominates you, from you dominating them to them mm-hmm. dominating you occurs slight. It's strangely... Um, sort of like uh, below the radar it just kind of happens yeah. one day and all of a sudden you realize it's not right away yeah it's mm-hmm. very much it's not it's not shocking in that way it's mm-hmm. more i think it's more shocking to your to your sleep and that sort of thing yeah um but so anyway so to answer your question my dad became much more influential as i became older as i went through my <clears throat> my uh junior high and teenage years my dad is uh in some ways he's a little bit of a um a little bit of a pessimistic person, but he's also, I think the word that comes to mind with him is wisdom. Mm. And he's just a, he is a intellectual and a man of wisdom. And so he has, uh, with any experience that I had, he had an incredible ability to hold it in context. Mm. So he helped me, uh, if I was sad or insecure, he provided, he could provide examples in history or mm. in his own experience, he just he always had an experience to place in context what yeah, I was going right. through. And so I, this is something I hope I can do for my kids. Yeah. Um, my, um, I, I'm, a, I'm a pretty low emotion, um, stable, sta- I don't know how to describe it exactly, but I'm not, I'm not prone to uh, strong emotion. <laughs> emotion right. Overreact. Yeah, just oh, yeah. yeah, kind of calm. And so I don't always relate to the ups and downs that people go mm. through. And so I hope that I will be able to meet my kids where they are as they go through things, sure. particularly in like those sort of teenage years, mm-hmm. and help help them hold things in context. Yeah, that's something my dad did for me. That's awesome. That's a huge. I feel like tool on your tool belt that you're able to bring to your family. And how about um, as far as doing things differently? You know, um, there's things that you that you really enjoyed about your your dad that he kind of taught you. Uh, how about things that you see that you guys do differently um, in your family? Thank you. A, a big difference is the, just the difference in the relationship that I have with Katie versus the relationship my dad had with, um, with my mother. It, we're such different people that it, it informs where we, you know, where we allocate our resources, what we, um, what we um, do on a day-to-day basis with our kids. Um, Katie and I are both, um, very high activity people. And I think it's a lot of the reason why we sort of found each other and, um, wanted to be married to each other is a, a shared, a shared view of just the amount of activity in our lives. Um, my parents are, um, were more traditional in the sense that my dad was very much the, uh, breadwinner and my mom very much sort of ran the operation at home. Um, my wife and I have things mixed up, uh, just just mixed up a little bit uh, more in in terms of the dividing of domestic tasks and the um, sort of volunteer activities outside of outside of the home. So I think that will th- that will have probably the biggest impact mm-hmm. uh, on our kids. Yeah. And our, our kids, when I was growing up, my myself and my sister particularly were kind of kind of homebodies. We enjoyed 
being home and, and make-believe games. And um, my kids are much more interested in the programming that's available to them, mm-hmm. uh, whether or not that's at church or at school. Sure. They're, they're just more involved. So in many ways, it's not, it's not a difference of, um, of sort of values or like some sort of lessons learned mm-hmm. from my family. or It's more just a response to all the different uh, characters in the story. Yeah, right. Yeah, I feel like I see that in the difference just as of our generation compared to our parents of, now there's very much more defined roles with yeah. our parents and maybe even our grandparents. And for better or for worse, it worked. It, I mean, it, that's kind of how we were raised. But I think I see that a lot more now as parents. There's a lot more shared responsibility across the board with parenting and um, and house, everything that goes around my house um, that I think is a good thing. <laughs> yeah. I, it, it, and it, I think it's also just a response to the way the professional world works today. I mean, there's... Um, the ability to, you know, with technology, people can be in different places. It, right. just, it just changes the landscape mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, so certainly with, with my, my wife was, you know, when we had kids, she now is effectively, I guess you would say, a um, stay-at-home wife. But um, she had a career in digital marketing beforehand that was um, kind of probably more defining uh, experience prior to having kids mm-hmm. and she worked when our kids were little she continued to work in, uh, in that world sometimes from home sometimes in a sort of consult, consulting capacity and it's just it's just a different arrangement than yeah. what was available to you 30 yeah. years ago yeah for sure um taking a pause from just kind of the dad uh, boy dad questions um i know you travel for work um sometimes a couple days at a time um, so I was wondering if you could kind of give, uh, some helpful advice on any, anybody, any dads who are in kind of that, um, in that kind of work, um, how do you do that work, but also kind of leave well uh, to your work <laughs> and supporting your wife and maybe even your kids and maybe saying goodbye. So any thoughts on that? Yeah. So, uh, one thing that's an advantage for me is Generally speaking, this is not always the case, but generally speaking, my, my traveling is just one night away right. at a time. That makes it much easier. Yeah. You know, I'll sure. say goodbye to the kids. A lot of times I will say, I'll, I'll say goodbye to the kids at, you know, six or seven o'clock at night, jump on an airplane, you know, get to, get to some hotel, wake up in the morning, have a long day there, and then I come home. And, you know, they've usually gone to bed by right, that next right. night, but it's really one day away. Okay. Um, I mean, it's really... My, my wife and I have um, gotten into a rhythm that where where we can make this work. That's what you have to do is come up with uh, some way of doing that. We definitely take advantage of time with her parents. She will frequently see her her parents okay. are local here in Santa Ana. Mm-hmm. She'll frequently see them when I'm gone. Sometimes my parents. Um, so mm-hmm. it's about having, and then we also have we just have close friends as you know from church right. there. Mm-hmm. All around us in the neighborhood, so there's a lot of spending time with other yeah. other people when when we're out. Um, it, it it would be a different challenge uh, with if I was traveling. It was a different challenge. I should say when the kids were a little younger, mm-hmm. it was more about uh, there was less trying to get kids to locations and more about kind of the loneliness of me being gone. Yeah. Now the kids are so uh, all absorbing <laughs> that she certainly isn't lonely when I'm gone. Right, I think, right. <laughs> uh, but she you know she has a heroic level of energy and. Um, ability to deal with these mm-hmm. with these things. So yeah, I think it's different for everyone how you work. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like you have the community that when you're gone, they don't. 
not not that they don't miss you, but it's not as big a void because there's other people pouring in and available to absolutely and support your wife and your family or your kid, your boys. Um, great. Um, uh, so your wife Katie, um, who uh, being your boy's mom is obviously the most important woman in their life right now. Uh, what does that kind of look like being a boy dad, a house of four boys, one guy, one, one lady, uh, what does it look like kind of teaching them to, um, to love and respect that, that woman in their house, their kind of first um, woman in uh, their lives? Yeah, that's a great question. So one of the pieces of just, you know, brilliant irony is that, you know, Katie is a, is a certain kind of certain version of a, of a feminist that not, you know, not like, you know, burn the bra at the, at the rally kind of thing, but she has, has had a heart for women. She has worked Mm. in, um, nonprofits that, um, focus on human trafficking and, uh, especially with, um, sort of sex slavery and stuff like that. So she has always been an advocate for, um, for women, um, in, in different ways. Even before I met her, she was involved with, again, a different nonprofit that was about sort of advancing, <laughs> advancing, advancing women. So mm. that is a little ironic that she, <clears throat> that, you know, God placed three little, three little boys in her life, mm. you know? Um, so it's, you know, in that sense, it, it's, it's, um, it's a funny, a little bit of a funny dynamic. She also is, um, she is from a family of three girls. Oh, really? So she that. actually did not have <clears throat> she only had her father in her life as an right, example. Yeah, boy, yeah, but, uh, yeah but your, yours is a great question because uh, it's when you have three boys, there ends up being you know a lot of people running around naked, a lot of burping. <laughs> there's yeah. a lot, you know, there's we kind of let these things slide. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a few, there's a few things we do. We we have tried to be very aggressive about making sure that they are learning manners. Um, we, the oldest kid, uh, does uh, something called cotillion. Are you familiar with yeah, this? Yeah, I did cotillion. Oh, you did? Yeah, no did. kidding. And yeah. I enjoyed it. That's funny, <laughs> yeah. So I think that that's really neat. You know, yeah. they, they learn to all kinds of ways to interact with girls in a, in a way mm-hmm. that is polite. Cool. Pull, pull the chair out. Let them sit down first. Right. Maintain eye contact when they're sitting down. Yeah. That sort of thing. Um, we, you know, I wouldn't describe myself as any... Um, as a particularly well-mannered person, but <laughs> my mm-hmm. wife is, she, she will go to, go to great effort to um, set expectations for the boys, mm-hmm. make sure that they understand that um, she is not just, you know, their homie yeah, <laughs> you know, here right? in the house, yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so she does a nice job with that. And I think she doesn't, I, I think I will do a, a bigger piece of that probably as they get a little bit sure. older. Yeah. But right now she's, she's, she's the driver quite a bit on that. Yeah. She, they know that she's not dad. Yeah, she's exactly. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> exactly right. That's cool. And she's also, you know, we the, just physically, I wrestle more with them. I carry right. them around and throw them around. There's a there's a from the time they're very little. There's a sense that there's a different sort of physical expectation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my son is one and a half, and I, I'm not saying this is what every family should do, but uh, I t- I tell him each day because he he's more, a little more aggressive than our daughter. He wants to get physical, and right now he's hitting, which we're working on. Um, but I tell him, like, you can hit daddy. You can hit daddy as all you want. <laughs> yeah. But you never hit mommy, and you never hit sister. Um, and when he does that, I make sure he knows, and I lock eyes with him. You never do that. Um, and just to, just to speak about, like, there is a difference of how you relate with mom and dad and sister 
Um, and uh, it's it's an it's important to make that distinction. I think that's say. I think that's great. That and having a sister there also, you know, up creates a really a, a clear diff, you know clear mm-hmm. dynamic right yeah, there. Yeah, right. So it's a good point. I mean, that's um, it's you got to kind of find alternative ways to to do that when there's no you know sisters. But we do have he uh, my boys have. Um, three cousins that they're pretty close with who mm-hmm. are all girls. My sister has three girls okay. um, and you know, that are just slightly older than my three boys. And so they're around them all the time. And I think there's a, there's a recognition um, at least the older two, the older two are also not physical. So it's a, it's a new, it's a newer issue. We're dealing with the youngest one is like, you know, has much more instincts for, you know, throwing a punch right. um, <laughs> than the older two. Sure. Awesome. Um, uh, as the boys get older, um, and uh, I'm trying to think, uh, yeah, as the boys get older, uh, what would you say are um, kind of end, ending with this one question wise? Uh, the most important values you hope to instill in them um, as they sometime someday become young men. If there's I don't know certain maybe three or four that you think all right these are the ones that are really of focusing on yeah i think i think you know there's one that just i think dominates over everything else as being critical for raising boys in our society today and that's just just bravery Hmm. um there is there's all kinds of uh ways that i mean my my kids are learning they are learning today what is what is right and wrong Uh, they will know what's right and wrong and then the question will be, will they have the bravery to apply it sure. when the time comes? Yeah, right. And I think when I think about the times we live in today and the, um, the way that their value system will be different than the culture they grow up in, mm-hmm. um, it will, you know, depending on what they do, it is likely to, it will take bravery on a daily basis to stand for what they believe in, uh, and to, um, and to stand up for other people, uh, in society, right. uh, w- when those moments come and, and the, um, the, the aspects of culture, uh, that are, <clears throat> that are, that are secular and destructive mm-hmm. are, are inter, you know, entering into the lives of those people around them. Yeah. Any, I, yeah. Any other ones? Yeah. Very... I mean, you, you, you know, as you know, under care, under the, uh, various subcategories of character, you know, honesty obviously is up there too. I think that overlaps with bravery, whether they have the, you know, the, the, the strength and the bravery to tell the sure. truth. Yep. Um, I, I think, um, what I hope for my children is, uh, is, is wisdoms to be, to be knowledgeable and to mm-hmm. know, uh, to be able to recognize what is truth in, right. in a distorted world mm-hmm. as well. Um, and, <clears throat> Uh, and then also just, I hope that there is a, a desire to pursue what's beautiful, hmm. both in, um, in what they do professionally and what they do academically as they get older yeah. to, to kind of lock eyes with what is, what is beautiful, what is, um, what is what God has given us for this time on earth mm-hmm. and, and to pursue it and, and pull it into their lives and pull it into the lives of the people around them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And do you feel like faith plays a role in teaching them those kind of categories? Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's the sort of beginning and the end of identifying that, I think. Mm. So it's, you know, there, <coughs> there's, we could, 
we could talk, you know, we could probably talk for another hour about, yeah. about how you achieve that. Mm-hmm. You know, my kids, uh, attend the older two attend a, uh, a classical school. Um, it's a small private school that, um, that is very, um, sort of reform, reform Protestant in its, okay. uh, theology, but it's, it is, you know, the, the, the main purpose is to be able to take from, take from the world and learn what is true and beautiful mm-hmm. and commit it, you know, commit it to memory, put it in your heart mm-hmm. and learn how to think and yeah. sort through that. And, um, that's something that's worked out for, for our family. It's been, it's ended up being a really nice home for uh, our older two boys. Um, but you know, not everyone has that available or around them. Sure. So I think for, you know, for other people who are in the faith and trying to figure out, you know, how, how their boys are going to navigate these things. Um, I think you gotta, you gotta find a community of people that share those values and yeah. help you identify it. Mm-hmm. And of course, um, you know, learning scripture, committing scripture to heart gives you the ability to hear God's voice. Mm-hmm. And then, um, the, the, being discerning about about when you expose your kids to worldly things, I think, is mm. is key. Making sure that they're equipped with tools to sort through it. Yeah, I don't know if this yeah. is something that we're getting right. Um, we're but you know, with the oldest kid up until you know age seven or eight, there's not a huge gap in the way the secular world is generally raising their kids sure. versus you, right? right? Yeah, because mm-hmm. even even today, you know, if you're even if you're raising your kid, you're trying to avoid technology. Well, you know what? The secular world is trying to avoid technology now for sure. kids. Like yeah. that's kind of that's a good the consensus that's been achieved. Um, but there is there becomes a world where, uh, and you kind of start seeing this, and you know, I can see this on their baseball teams and competitive sports, where the you know the value system the value of sort of getting what's, you know, getting, getting what's right for me are, you know, mm-hmm. even if it's like, you know, arguing with the referees or mistreating the coaches right, or the players, yeah. and stuff, you can kind of observe that. And my, my kids who have been largely, at, you know, in a very protected private school mm-hmm. in a very sort of theologically conservative church environment mm-hmm. encounter very few adults who don't right. agree with their parents right. on, on everything. That's a good point. Yeah. So it's about, so now we're entering this world of where we're kind of, you know, dribbling in experiences into their life mm-hmm. where they can see it and hopefully, you know, have the maturity for me to have a conversation and say, Hey, you know, I've yeah. always told you, listen to every single adult. Well, now that's not a hundred percent true. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, now it's time to talk a little bit about how, you know, you might have adults in your life that are, are not that, you know, just do not share our values. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think that we have figured out how to do that. A lot of it, I mean, we're trying our best <laughs> I think yeah, right. um, and try and getting, seeking a lot of advice on how to do this from people who are thoughtful. Yeah. Right. But, uh, but it's, and it's, you know, it's one of, one of those things that I think every Christian family is going to face when they're raising boys. Yeah. And, and I like what you said about like teaching them to have that skill of like at some point, like being able to discern what is right and wrong. And I think that, that's one of the biggest tasks of parenthood is, is we really have to take that responsibility. That's not somebody else's job. We can't like pawn that off of somebody else, but, and they'll help a little bit hopefully, but like owning that as parents of like teaching them, like it's our job to teach them okay, what is right and wrong. And so that when they come out of that bubble that we've, you know, protected them for a while, which has its, you know, time and age that they can discern that um, and when there's starts to become those differences of belief I guess my parents <clears throat> my parents um, sh- you know shared with me you know after, after when I was a little bit older you know they were talking about the way that kids are different and how mm-hmm. you have to do that differently with different personalities 
they, they, you know, they said of me, I was kind of iconoclastic and mm -hmm. anytime anyone would try to tell me how things were, I would just kind of take the, take the opposite sure. side of it, of, yeah. of every issue. Um, and so they didn't worry about putting me sort of leaving me hovering around in a, in a mm. hyper secular environment because sure. I would be kind of iconoclastic. You naturally. Yeah. Naturally. <laughs> and my, and my, my middle kid is like that, you know, he's, mm. <clears throat> he, you can kind of see that tendency already. Sure. Yeah. The oldest one is, you know, he wants to please everyone around sure. him. He wants to please his teachers. Mm. He wants to please his friends. Yeah. And there's, you know, it comes from a, you know, there's wonderful things associated with that, but then you just have to equip them. Yeah, uh, you know, to apply wisdom differently. Totally, yeah. And uh, yeah, we. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if we're doing this right. I think we've we've identified <laughs> identified some goals on what we want to do, but mm. it's beginning a journey on that. Yeah, yeah. Just like you said in the beginning, it's it, it will have its time. You don't have to have it all figured out yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. God's grace is through it, and He's bringing you through it um, to the points where it's like, okay, now it's time to have those conversations, and that could look differently with. Um, all three of your boys. Yeah. The timing of that. Absolutely. Definitely. Cool. Well, thank you for your time tonight, today, Ben. Uh, would you mind uh, kind of closing out us out in prayer and specifically, um, I mean, obviously for dads, but um, maybe, you know, this dad is, you know, boy, this episode is back to some boy dads, um, just giving, uh, praying for those dads who have all boys um, as they uh, parent. Absolutely. Dear Father, I, I thank you for this time here. Uh, it's, it's my prayer that this, this conversation would be valuable to uh, anyone who's listening and is raising boys. Um, I pray that you would um, come into the lives of, of parents, um, that uh, those who seek you would, would know you and find you, and um, that you would give strength and encouragement to parents who are struggling and trying to work through challenges with their sons and daughters, um, I pray that um, you would uh, equip, just equip this generation to, uh, of your followers to, um, to deal with the, uh, you know, with the secular culture in any way that it's different, that they would see clearly through culture and, and, um, and recognize you from your word and, and know you and just pursue you in all things that they do, Lord. Um, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Three episodes in and many more to come. If you like this episode, share it with a dad you know that you feel could use some encouragement. We are now on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you follow us on Spotify, hit that notification bell so you don't miss an episode. And if you follow us on Apple Podcasting and you like the episode, leave a five-star review and follow our show as we continue this journey of fatherhood. Thanks again for tuning in and we will see you guys in two weeks for the coming episode of Rad Dads.